It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in today. I'm Mercedes Nickel, and this is Series 11, where I don't have any guests quite yet. Don't worry. Episode 100. I can't believe we're getting to 100, but 100, I will have a guest, and I'm really looking forward to having them on. Um, again, this is Series 11, where I had have I had ChatGPT ask me questions. Uh, I hadn't really given you guys, my listeners, my viewers, my story since episode one. Uh, so here's a 10-episode series on uh, my career as a snowboarder. Now, we started out in episode 90, Early Influences and Beginnings, jumped into episode 91, Mentorship and Influences. Then we went to Training and Preparation in episode 92. Challenges and Triumphs in 93. And then episode 94 and 95, uh, I talked about my Olympic journeys because there are four of them. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, I am a four-time winter Olympian in snowboard halfpipe. So episode 93 and uh, 94 and 95 is where you will get those stories. And then we jumped into life beyond snowboarding in episode 96 and episode 97, advocacy and community engagement, which is something that I'm very passionate about. Now I'm dreading this one. This is episode 98, and it's the future of snowboarding. And what that means for ChatGBT and me might be very different. So I don't know what to expect on this one, the future of snowboarding. Um, it's still a young sport, and uh, let's see what ChatGBT has to ask me about that. But first, I will start with the 10 rapid-fire questions, which honestly, I feel like I'm learning more about myself every time I do these. So here we go. Number one, favorite local sport. What's your favorite? favorite place to visit in your local area. Well, obviously I live in Whistler Black. I live in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. So, um, favorite would probably be, um, in the winter, it would be Whistler Mountain. Cause if you've listened to my Whistler kids one, you know, I'm a Whistler kid. I do spend a lot of time on Blackcomb, but also I would say Nicholas North golf course in the summer. Cause I'm addicted to golf. It's a problem. Uh, number two, Dream skill to teach others. If you could teach everyone in the world one skill, what would it be and why? <gasps> Maybe it would be the art of listening. I know you guys are listening to me right now, but like so many people, just you have conversations with them and they don't actually listen. They just want to say what's next on their mind. And that's something when I was recovering from my concussion that – um. I had forgotten to do, and then I learned how to do it in the Dale Carnegie courses. And I was just like, wow, I'm actually really like not listening. And it's really important to listen to people. So that might be my skill. Hopefully you can take that and share that with everyone that you know. <laughs> uh, number three, historical era to visit. If you could time travel to any historical era, which would it be? It's funny. I was talking about the book Sapiens earlier, and I never actually finished it. Um, and I maybe I would want to go to like the caveman era just to see like 
what the heck that was all about. Yeah, why not? Uh, unique pet choice. If you could have any fictional creature as a pet, what would it be and why? A fictional creature. Why do I think of like Fraggle Rock and those little guys? Um, that's a hard one. I know that I, I love pugs. They're almost fictional, but they're real. Uh, yeah, I guess like, I don't know. That's a weird question. <laughs> I'm moving on. Number five, comfort TV show or movie different from previous. What's another TV show or movie that brings you comfort? I don't know why, but I keep going back to Passengers with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. That's just like something that I can put on in the background. I know what's going to happen, but I don't know. It's kind of a comfort one for me. I don't know if I said that before. Um, personal motto or quote. Do you have a personal motto or favorite quote that resonates with you? That's so funny. I was thinking about these earlier. Um, and like, I'm, I've been reading a lot of quotes from some people. Um, and I'm like, do they know that that's going to be a quote? And like, or is it just pulled from certain people and then they're like, baha, that's a quote. That's a moment. Uh, I have one from Marilyn Monroe that I can never remember that's pretty awesome. And uh, <laughs> it's not that great because I can't remember it. Um, personal quote or motto. I don't know. Let's go with Ellen's and be kind, everyone. Uh, preferred ice cream sundae. If you were to create the perfect ice cream sundae, what flavors and toppings would you include? See, I'm lactose intolerant, so don't really have ice cream sundaes. But if I did, I would put everything on it that was offered in the sweet and sour domain, like caramel sauce, maybe like sour candies. Like I just, I, I have a huge sweet tooth, so everything. Uh, favorite local event. Oh no, that's a challenge. I don't like this one. <laughs> Is there an annual or local event that always you always look forward to attending? Okay, well, <laughs> there's so many events in Whistler. Um, but Dom Dominique Valet and I, who I've had on the podcast, we traveled together and then we kind of wanted to give back to the community and we started the um half pipe fam jam, which happens in April. So fingers crossed that uh, Whistler Blackcomb keeps building a half pipe or the pipe cutters decide to do that because um, in April, that's always just a fun day to get out there with like three different generations of snowboarders, dads, kids, and the in-between. And I, I just love that. It's it's bringing it back to what it used to be. So that would be my favorite event if I'm totally biased because I put it on. <laughs> uh, ideal weekend morning activity. How would you spend your ideal Sunday morning? Right now, I'm right really into reading books. So I'd like probably read my book for a bit and then head up the mountain again. That's in the wintertime. In the summertime, I would get up early and play golf and then have the rest of the day do other activities. So different different times of seasons, different things to do. Um, you might see that there's the theme that I like to be outside. Number 10, dream collaboration. If you could collaborate with any two people. Oh, we did this. We did this. And now you're asking me that again? Ugh, that's it's, it's a super interesting question to ask like your friends as well, like dead or alive, who would you want to do a project with? Um, in my last one, I said pink Michelle Obama uh, and my grandma because what an era that would be, three amazing women. Um, if I could collaborate, okay, maybe who would I have on the podcast that I haven't had? Ooh, there's so many people on the list. I did reach out to Brooke Henderson. I think that would be cool to have her on my podcast, so – 
Time will tell. Golf coming on to the Dropping In podcast. Who knows? Okay, that was the rapid fire. Thank you so much for staying on with me. We will be talking about the future of snowboarding. I do not know what ChatGPT has put together for me, so let's get into it. The evolution of snowboarding. How do you envision the future of snowboarding considering the evolution of the sport and the influence of emerging trends? Well, if we're talking about right now, and right now is January 29th, 2023, the whole evolution of snowboarding is like coming back to when I started snowboarding. All the kids right now, because the 90s are back, they're all wearing like baggy clothes and stuff like that. But if we talk about like, the actual progression of snowboarding, it's insane. It's, it's again, it was such a new sport in the late 80s coming to fruition. Um, and now we're in the 2024. Um, watching the girls actually crush it is, is what's that evolution of, of where the girls are at now is insane. I mean, if you have a kid that obviously when we started snowboarding, I was like 14. It wasn't really available before that. So now we have a generation that has just grown up on a snowboard from when they were like three years old. So that is super cool. They just have that like muscle memory already in there. They didn't have to really learn anything new, but the tricks that are coming out of these kids are insane. Like, I don't know that we really saw this coming, but it's wild. It's super wild. Uh, innovations in equipment, technology advances. How do you see innovations in snowboard equipment shaping the future of your sport? Are there any specific developments that excite you? I think if we're thinking about the snowboard, we've got the camber snowboard, which is the traditional snowboard, um, where if you were to put that on the ground, the middle of it, you would be able to kind of like see through, um, cause it, it bubbles up in that area. Um, We've they've come up with reverse camber, so it's the opposite of that. If you put your snowboard on the board on the ground, then the tip and the tail would be kind of up in the air. Uh, that's more for beginners um, that don't want to catch edges, and also if you want to ride powder, it's a lot less work. So that that was a new a new technology that I was like not hundred percent sold on, but when I tried it, I was like oh, this is actually super helpful in the powder. But if I want to be in control on my snowboard on a reverse camber board, it's not going to happen because you're, you, you don't really get edge control when, uh, when your board's like that. Um, and then LibTech came out with um, the, the like serrated edge so that can get you on your edge and holding it a little bit longer. And I always thought that was crazy because Tora um, Bright rode that in the half pipe and I'm sure she still rides it. And, and I actually have one in the, in my cupboard that I still need to try. I just, <laughs> I just have never tried it yet. Um, but I've heard nothing but good things about that. Um, and then we came into like the flying V where it's like a camber underneath your feet. And then it's, it's just like a different design. And I tried that Drake snowboards who I rode for, they came out with that uh, design like that. And I wrote it and I was like, Oh no, no, I'm not sold on this. I'm an old school. Like I like camber. Obviously I'm a pipe rider. I use forward lean, um, other technology that's come out now, uh, come back around actually, um, are the step-ins and I have a lot of, so I do the ride with an Olympian, um, guiding and coaching people on the mountain at Whistler Blackcomb. And I've had a fair few clients put those on, uh, and they seem to love them. I don't know if I could fully trust them. I think I said to a client the other day, like if I get pregnant, maybe then I would use them, but 
other than that, I, I'm down for my bindings. And one thing that I had changed in my technology, uh, when I started snowboarding, <laughs> when I was super young, the high backs, they hurt me so much. I was like, I want low backs. I don't want this. Like, I don't know what's going on here. So I actually, <laughs> um, when I started snowboarding, had low backs because I was like, it's hurting my calf. And now I'm like, Oh, my calves, when I start snowboarding, do get flattened um, from that pressure of the high back. But I couldn't turn properly without that. I use forward lean. I'm not really a rail rider. I needed my edges. I love the quick um, transfer onto the pressure of my calf to my high back. So that's super interesting. It's been a wild ride of like what what different companies are going to come up with next. And I I do not know what's going to be next. I'm going to have to ask. Um, Okay, youth engagement. With focus on youth engagement, how can the snowboarding community attract and nurture the next generation of riders? That's a really good question because it is an expensive sport. So I know there's that Burton came out with the Riglet program, which is super cool to get people to understand what snowboarding is. And that can, that can be brought to schools. Um, And you don't even need snow. You just get an understanding of like being on a board in the gymnasium and uh, you can like, there's like a little pulley system too. Um, So that's a cool way to kind of get into that. And I know there are some programs like the chill program. Again, Burton's such a great initiative for like making things happen um, to get people into sport. Um, That's for people that can't afford it and um, really want to try it. So it's it's very cool the programs that are out there, but I know that we can do a lot more to help support because it's super expensive. Um, what initiatives do I believe will be most effective? I think like I've always said this because I'm an athlete representative. I think like the kids seeing other snowboarders and having a good time. Again, it's like such a different um, sport from traditional sports in the essence of like everyone wants to make themselves better, but together. So I think with kids being able to see the the camaraderie and the fun in that, um, I think that's what will definitely be like a good thing to keep kids in the sport. Inclusion and diversity. Building a more inclusive and diverse snowboard community is crucial. How do you see the sport evolving to embrace a wider range of participants and um and perspectives. That's a great question too. Um, and most of this knowledge I have is because I sit on the Canada snowboard board, but also the things that, um, have to do with sport Canada are, are really important because we, in, in, in snowboarding, we do have, um, an indigenous program. And so that is opening up the opportunity for, um, kids, from indigenous backgrounds to be able to snowboard. And I think that is so cool. Um, I mean, if we look at snowboarders, we have Spencer O'Brien who has an indigenous background um, and she gives back a lot in that community as well. Um, some amazing snowboarders in Whistler as well that, that, um, that make it look fun and attainable and, um, and that's what it is. So hopefully that can keep going. Uh, also in the LGBTQ there's a lot of um, women snowboarders that um, are part of that and they're snowboarding. And I think it is a pretty inclusive environment. I don't, I mean, be hard to tell if it wasn't. We're, we're all friends here and, and, and everyone's invited. 
to have a good time and we hope you enjoy it. Uh, environmental sustainability. It's interesting. We talked about that in, uh, in a previous episode. Um, it is a concern. Uh, how can the snowboard industry contribute to environmental conservation? Ro- what role do you see um, sustainability playing in the future of sport? I mean, I am in Whistler right now and it is raining. This is an El Nino year. It's January 2024. Um but it is not looking great out there. And we do need snow for our sport. So I I urge everyone to look into um, POW, which is an, a great initiative for climate control. What else can the snowboard industry do? I mean, I think we're just going to have to shift our schedules. I honestly, like, what I'm seeing is everything being kind of pushed back a month or two. Um, I think we will get the snow, but uh, who knows what's going to happen Twenty. 50 years from now. So we definitely got to keep our finger on the pulse in uh, sustainability with our environment because things are happening outside. Globalization of snowboarding. Snowboarding has become a global phenomenon. That is true. One of the most watched um, Olympic sports. How do you foresee the globalization of sport impacting its culture, competitions, and community dynamics? It's super interesting. Um, Looking at snowboarding, because there's definitely a core community, and that is very well known throughout um, the snowboarding bubble world. And I and I use bubble world um, as a real thing because I was in that bubble world, and I was like, this is all I want to do. This is amazing. This is like the best community, um, especially when I got to ride with um, Roberta Roger and Jana Mayan and that crew on the course all women's team. I was just like, this is, this is so cool. Um, it getting on the global platform, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I think it's great, but does it change the dynamic? And what I can speak on is being in competition for over 20 years. It does, it has changed things. Um, it is a bit of an elite sport. Now everyone has their own coaches at the top of the half pipe. It's pretty wild. Um, I don't, I don't know that it's like changed the dynamic of the friends like group and part of everything. And it definitely hasn't in the core industry. I can just speak to it on the like Olympic world cup, world championships and X games kind of level, um, that the globalization, obviously more money for athletes is a great thing, but I don't, I hope, I hope it it stays the same as in like building each other up, trying to make the sport better. And we think we can see that with the progression of the women and the men in both like half pipe and slope style. It's, it's pretty wild what we're seeing out there. So, um, I know that there's this like drive for personal excellence, but it's also like a collaborative thing because you're going out there, someone does something, oh, you want to try and do something else, but you can do it together. And I and I think I don't think I think that the old school snowboarders that are helping the new ones come through will like make that kind of still stick. Cause it's such it's such a core part of snowboarding. Um, good question, chat GPT. Technology technological integration. With the rise of technology like virtual reality and augmented reality, how might these be integrated into snowboard, into the snowboarding experience in the future? Ooh, that's such a weird, cool question. Um, 
I mean, if I think about it, when I was uh, competing, I would try and visualize everything that I was doing. So, I mean, if you're doing virtual reality and you can actually see from that perspective, I think that would be really cool and helpful. I mean, maybe people are already using that. I don't see why not. Um, gosh, technology is so wild. I mean, look, ChatGPT is doing this podcast for me. It's, it's so weird. Um, but again, I do think that you 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 <laughs> that's not the be all and end all. You can visualize things, but you do need to have that kind of um I wouldn't say like talent, but you can't just like do virtual reality and then think you're going to go snowboarding. I mean, Canada Snowboard tried to bring gymnasts um that were gymnasts in Canada and then make them into snowboarders, but it doesn't always work, my friends. Um, a very interesting thing that happened, but, uh, who knows? Let's see. Let's see what's going to happen. Um, accessible snowboarding. We kind of touched on that. Um, depending on your home mountain, it, it, it can be pricey, but also I think that there are probably grants out there that you can apply for, um, again, with the chill foundation doing great things. Um, I would just keep your eyes out to see like what's available, what's affordable. And and don't forget about like Facebook forum pages. Uh, I don't want to plug Facebook, but like you could probably get some good gear there. And then also if you're in the Whistler community, we have the Reuse It Center, which is everyone donates their old stuff or even new stuff that they just don't want in their house. Um, and right there, you can get like probably a snowboard for super cheap and all the equipment for super cheap. And it's probably coming from professionals. I sent a bunch of boots over there. So, um, and everything that you spend there goes back into the community, which I think is so great. Um, yeah, let's make it more accessible. I would love to hear your ideas as to how we can make it more accessible as well. So hit me up at mercedesnickel.com or at droppinginwithmercedes.com and let me know. Uh, competitive landscape. How do you anticipate the competitive landscape of snowboarding evolving? Ooh, <laughs> this is a question I was worried about. Um, how do I see it evolving? Well, currently I see it evolving into like just all the rotations and it is hard to make a, what someone just did a 19 something. Like that's just so many spins. It's hard to make it look styly. Um, I remember when I worked at uh, at High Cascade, they Burton would put on a contest there in the summers, and it was so much fun called the Abominable Snow Jam. And uh, one of the contests, I don't know if it was theirs, but maybe it was like done by High Cascade. And now that I think about it, um, it was a contest where you had to do off a jump. You had to do like every trick, so like you had to do all four one eighties all four 360s, like every which way, um, that kind of showcases like the all-around rider. I think that was really cool. I mean, I'd be happy with like a nice 180 contest. Imagine that with some style. Like, I don't know where it's going, but it's evolving quickly and uh, the kids are getting younger and they're spinning faster. Are there specific formats or events that you believe will gain prominence? Um, I think with the format in in competition in snowboarding, it's uh, it's evolved a lot. Like if I look back, my first Olympics, it was first run, top nine went to finals. 
Um, and then you got another run, but it wasn't combined runs. It was one and then you were done and then on to the next. So if you crashed, you crashed, you were out of it. Um, it's, it's, it's now changed to, um, best of three runs. I kind of hope, and I'm seeing in some places like the jam format comeback. Again, that's a format where like you have an allotted amount of time, you get in however many runs you can in that time. Sometimes that's not always fair. So it's kind of cool to have the best of three format. Um, it does take a bit longer. That's why it's mostly in the finals. You'll, you won't really see that in the qualifiers. Um, but I hope that they can come up with something that like showcases the best rider at that time. Um, but also can progress snowboarding. And I think that's, that's what they've come around with, with the, the, uh, best of three. So who knows what's next? Chat GBT is probably going to make it up or something like that. AI, who knows? <laughs> uh, educational initiatives, education about safety, technique, and mountain awareness is crucial. How can educational initiatives play a role in shaping the future practices of snowboarding? Now, when I think about that, um, I think of two things. I think of the backcountry, um, and I think about people taking their avalanche awareness courses. Super important. Um, if you're going to go out in the backcountry and you don't know what you're doing, please don't go. Um, take a course. There are people that are so knowledgeable about this uh, that want to pass that knowledge on to you. Um, so do. Do it. Take your avalanche courses. Uh, you're going to learn so much, but you're also going to be like, wow, I don't know that much. <laughs> I've done my AST one a couple times, and then I've done my AST two with Justin Lamroux, uh, and he was amazing. I mean, just putting things into perspective and getting an understanding of the mountains and, and what's possible. It's it's Mother Nature is, uh, is on her own journey, and uh, we can only just kind of try and be in it at the same time. Um, the, the, the other thing that I think about are beginner snowboarders. Take a freaking lesson, please, because it's not just you out there on the mountain. We want you to be able to be in control. And also my number one rule with beginner snowboarders is if you don't have a hand on your snowboard or a foot on your snowboard strapped in, then flip it over. I just was on the mountain yesterday and had someone with their board base down and they were like five feet away from it. That is the most dangerous thing ever. That thing is a weapon. So I get really heated about it. <laughs> um, yeah, get a lesson because that is important as well. Um, social and digital influence. Social media and digital platforms have transformed how we engage with sports. How do you see these influences shaping the future and culture of snowboarding? I mean, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Like social media is great to showcase your platform. Um, and a lot of snowboarders are role models and you get to know them and you get to be able to um, have that touch point. And if they decide they want to talk to you online, they can talk to you. Do you know if that's that person? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, the, the, the other <laughs> edge is that, I mean – what's reality and what's just being shown on there. Um, you know, being an elite athlete, yes, we can show all of the cool things and, and showcase all of the perfect pictures, but are you seeing like the sweat and the tears behind everything? Probably not. So we can make things look glamorous, but also be aware that it is a slog and there's downs and there's ups and there's 
tears and there's anger and there's frustration all behind that, that you can't really, you can't really get in a, in a photo. You could probably get it in a reel, but are people being vulnerable enough to share that? Not everyone is JP Walker. (laughs) Um, My role in shaping the future. Oh gosh. (laughs) Such a hard topic. Uh, I hope you're all here for this uh, and enjoying it. Uh, As someone deeply connected in the snowboard community, what role do you see yourself playing in shaping in the future of sport? I mean, my role right now is um, more within sport in Canada and as well as in snowboarding. And I just want to help athletes be the best athletes that they can because when I was in it, I knew I was getting really frustrated with like the funding system and how many staff were here and how I had to like figure out how I was going to pay for things. So um, I hope that I can help the communication and the understanding of what it is to be on the national team a little bit easier to digest for athletes as well as um, get them the answers that they're looking for. Um in the rest of the snowboard world, I still feel a little bit disconnected because um, I used to be in the States so much and finger on the pulse, but uh, I've really just kind of focused my efforts uh, within Canada and then also like with the Olympics and that side of things, which is very different from like the magazines and the videos. Um So yeah, I don't know. I just want to make it like easier for athletes to be able to compete and and do the best that they can, but also help anyone that needs a mentor in that space. Um, It's a wild ride being a professional snowboarder and it's not the easiest. Um, So yeah, I hope that I can be a shoulder to lean on for those athletes and then have more and more snowboarders out there having a good time because that's really what it's all about. Um, well, that was not as painful as I thought it would be, ChatGPT. Thank you for those questions. Um, this was what I saw the future of snowboarding look like with ChatGPT. Uh, thank you so much for dropping in today. Uh, I learned a lot more. I hope you learned a lot more. Um, if you want to find out more information about dropping in, please head over to Facebook or Instagram, you can find me at Dropping In with Mercedes. On Twitter, it's at Mercedes Nickel, N-I-C-O-L-L. And uh, you can hit up the website and see what the past episodes are and find all my blogs on the Cryer Media Network. And all of that is on www.droppinginwithmercedes.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to the next episode where we will be discussing legacy and closing thoughts. I don't even know what that means. That is all ChatGBT has for me. So let's see what's up next. Thank you so much for dropping in. For dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Do 
did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.